Ladies and gentlemen, here's the smoothest interviewer in his own mind, Derek Dunn of Reviews and Dunn. What up, world? Once again, it's your boy, Derek Dunn, back with another interview. Now, my guest today, let's see, what can I say about today's guest? This brother is a Grammy-nominated artist. This brother has played an integral part in one of the baddest bands of my childhood, my teen years, and me coming into a man. This man has been nominated for numerous awards, a Grammy in 2016, Soul Train Awards in 2005 and 2097. He's won numerous Soul Track Reader's Choice Awards. He's a 2012 Recipient inductee in the Soul Music Hall of Fame. That's right, folks. I'm talking about the one, the only, the baddest guitar player, Mr. Ricky from Mick Condition. Welcome to the line, folks. How you doing today, What's sir? What's going on, man? Wow, I didn't even know I did all those things, man. I was <laughs> like, I forgot all about that. I might need to add some of that to my uh, bio or something, man. Oh, yeah, man, I'm, 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 I'm going to take you on a trip down memory lane with some of these questions, just, you know, let folks hear your, um, hear your truth, hear your testimony, and hear your uh, story. Because, I mean, to me, man, McCondition is probably one of the last active great bands that I had a chance to actually grow up on and, you know, experience, you know, for me growing up. Now, it's not a shot to nobody else, but, I mean, I think as far as being – active and touring doing albums like i can't think of nobody else that was doing what you guys were doing when i was coming up as a as a youngster so thank you man for all the years of good music classic songs just amazing musical performances with every show i've ever been to and seen live like you know i punch my eyes they bad talk my condition man because we don't uh do that in these parts wow wow Wow, man. Oh, man. Um, you know, I I was blessed to be in in that great band that you're talking about, you know. They they were thinking about not having me in the band at one point um, because I'm almost like a, um, you know, like a, imagine being in a band with, like, Kanye West, but with not, you know, without the, uh, you know, certain people that he supports. Um, so, yeah. Growing up, I kind of had to learn how to get along with people and how to do certain things, you know. Like, day one, they were like, like, they used my equipment to make the demo, and then they were like, you know, do we really want to have this guy in the band? And one of the guys, you know, um, which is which is one of the guys I bump, head, I bump heads the most, he talked them into it, you know, and they uh, I, they decided to have me, you know, in the band. Cool, cool. Well, let's, uh, let's get right into it, man. I'm sure you can give us some more on that and just, uh, you know, let folks hear uh, Ricky's truth and Ricky's uh, story. So one of the things I, I was surprised to learn about you was that you're actually a Chicago native. And, you know, all these years I've been making different fan, you know, these 20-plus years, I thought the entire group was from um, Minnesota, but you're actually from Chicago. So how did you end up in Minneapolis if you're, you know, Chicago native? You know, a, a friend of mine named Brian, um, he stole my equipment, and then he moved to Minneapolis, and then he wanted me to play bass for him. And um, 
I talked my mom into it. I was like, mom, you know, um, I might end up, you know, meeting Prince, you know, and the, the time is out there. And she was like, uh, I don't know, because she wasn't, she wasn't quite sure because I was helping out. I, I had a job and I was going to school and, you know, she was getting some of that money. And so, um, she wasn't sure, but my dad was like, you know, we got, we got 14 kids up in here. We got to start getting them out of the crib. And so she let me move up to Minnesota, ended up um, playing in a band with Stokely and uh, Lawrence L. And then the next thing you know, you know, they were telling people to come down and check me out. They were like, we got this dude from Chicago, used to be a gang member, and now he's wearing, like, Prince-type pants and got <laughs> eyeliner on, and he's doing splits. And they were like, you know, we need to, uh, you know, y'all need to come check him out. You know, and so people came down and checked me out. Stokes' dad came down and uh, checked me out in uh, Odell, and they wanted to, you know, work with me. And so um, that was pretty much it, man. Then we did a, uh, we did a, uh, what do they call those shows? We, we did like a a, sh- uh, a showcase because we wasn't doing a lot of uh, a lot of performances, you know, because we were like an all original band. You know, we wrote all of our songs, you know, all of our hits. Um, and so we were doing showcases and Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis came out and they, they after we first hit the first couple notes to Pretty Brown Eyes that pum, 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 and uh, you know the crowd was going crazy because we've been playing that song locally for a long time and they were like um, you know they were like man y'all got a record deal cool cool who were some of those um, early musical influence for you when you were growing up in Chicago before you went to Minneapolis? You know what? I, I never dreamed it, you know, being in the music business, so I used to draw it. And I would draw me, you know, playing with, the like, the Jacksons, you know. I had a little afro. I would draw like an afro. And um, I just used to be in my mom's. My, my bedroom was the dining room. I had a couple paint cans, you know, underneath, you know, my bed holding it up. And, um, and I would just sit there, and I had like a, and crazy looking amp. It was almost like a PA system, but somehow I turned it into an amp, and I plugged it in, you know, to the wrong hole, and I got some distortion out of it. And uh, you know, uh, I was just in the in the living in the dining room making noise, man. But uh, I definitely loved, uh, you know, um, you know, Boosie is a favorite. And, and he's a great guy, you know. He's he's one of the coolest dudes, you know. I've met. Um, I, uh, you know, used to Jaco Pastores was a influence. I'm a bass player. Um, older brothers are bass players, so I'm like a from a family of uh, bass player. My oldest brother Roy, I never got a chance to see him play bass because he actually passed in um, Korea, you know, in a in an accident in the service. So um, he passed it down to my brother boogie and then my brother boogie passed it to me and uh you know stanley clark was a favorite before i met him you know um uh you know i uh i think that's about it man and then you know of course your bands you know parliament funkadelic uh you know Jimi hendrix um war you know um you know prince the time and and you know on and on and on no so at what age did you actually start playing the bass guitar? You know what? Uh, 
I'm not sure, but the first song I played, I had this girl come over, and I wanted to impress her a little bit, so I picked up the bass, and the first song, the first song I learned was Another One Bite the Dust by Queen, which is, like, one of my favorite, one of my favorite bands, too. Yeah. Cool, but but cool. guitars and stuff like that been around. It, they've been around the family, like you know the plastic the plastic guitars. So at the age of probably, you know, seven, I was you know I had a little plastic guitar, you know, that you would get for Christmas. So musical instruments always been around, and you know. So but the first song I probably started playing was another one, Bite the Dust. Yeah, I tried to do the whole music thing way back in '92 when I was in fifth grade. I, I tried playing the um. The sax, that only lasted like maybe a month, and then I got overly bored. But I've always been a lot of a lot of musicians have told me, you know, that I should have maybe tried the guitar. And I've heard from numerous people the guitar is probably the easiest instrument to learn how to how to play. Can you uh, validate that claim? You know what? I actually started playing guitar first before I started playing bass. Um, I don't know, man. It, a guitar got like six strings and you got to learn chords and, you know, and um, scales and all kind of stuff. But with the bass, you know, you just, you could just play one note and be like, boom, 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 boom. So I don't, I don't think it's easier. I, I think the bass, the, out of the two, I would, I would say the bass. Okay. Cool. So you hit Minneapolis and when you get to Minneapolis, who was the first guy you actually met in the band? That was, uh, that was um, I was playing behind this this guy named Kevin Jackson, and he had uh, he had Stoke on uh, um, on drums, and he had Lawrence L on keyboard. So both of those guys, I met both of them at the same time. But I went to go see them at the uh, at the, I believe the 1986 music awards here there was like a, a local music awards they did every year and so i saw those guys perform and um man they, they had like one pants leg and the other leg was like stocking or something like that it was it was the funniest thing and they had the little tassels going down the side like like the gap band and they all had like jerry curls and they were just killing it and um actually uh, original member that was in that band too, you know, uh, was uh, Roger Lynch, which is uh, the son of uh, Roger Troutman Jr. Um, no, that's the son of Roger Troutman. I'm sorry. Yeah. You give me some knowledge right here. Stuff I didn't even know. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, I, I remember you know when Big Roger would come to town, and he would be like, we all would kind of hang out with him and stuff like that after the show, and he'd be like, man, so. Who wrote the song uh, Pretty Brown Eye? And we'd be like, we did. And he'd be like, okay, okay, come on, come on, come on. Man. All right, now, for real. Now, who wrote Pretty Brown Eyes? And we'd be like, we did, man. And it was a, it was definitely a, a great experience, man. And then watching Little Roger on um, on uh, BET, when, uh, when Big Roger did BET and, you know, our boy Little Roger got to perform with him on that show, man. If, if you pull up BT Live, it is a amazing show. Like Roger comes out, man, with the uh, machine gun guitar, and you know, it was it was dope, man. And then um, Little Roger 
mentioned, actually had a daughter named uh, Lexi who just uh, passed recently. I don't know if you heard about the uh, the rap artist in Minnesota, a young lady that uh, that that passed away recently. Yes, that's Roger. That's Roger Troutman's granddaughter. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And she was, uh, I believe she was on, um, what's the artist that she worked with? Um, the one girl from, I can't think of her name. I mean, I should know her name because she's like amazing, but I'm horrible with names. Um, she's, she lives in LA, um, starts with Kalani. She is, she did a couple songs with, um, Kalani and yeah, she definitely was a, was an amazing artist that was, you know, Everybody had so much respect for her. That was, uh, you know, it was definitely hard to lose her. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. So. Uh, right, so you're you guys are making noise around Minneapolis, doing your thing, and you know I'm a huge Prince fan, a huge fan of uh, Purple Rain. You mm-hmm. know, so I gotta ask, man, is the vibe at First Avenue as lit? as it's depicted in the movie? You know what? There's some good shows there, and they're, they're, uh, and back in the day, you know, it it was definitely, uh, you know, going there to see some of the local bands, going to see, uh, you know, Prince when he would do, like, an unplugged show there, and then going to see, like, The Revolution, you know, um, a few years back, you know, after the Prince passed, it was, definitely a magical place it, it is the place that you want to play like when you do a show here it just it feels good you know even though we don't have a star on the wall you know yet um it's definitely a uh you know a cool place to always perform at you know especially because you know prince was there and prince was like the coolest dude you know the coolest dude in the world like every time i you know um saw him out you know, I went up to him, I shook his hand, and he was like, what y'all up to? You know, he would talk to me. Like, he was just always cool, man. Like, he, you know, he's been known to play people, and he would do certain things and disappear and walk off on you in the conversation. And he was always cool with us, man, always made sure we were taken care of. Like, he would, when we did shows with him, he would come out on stage and stand there just to make sure that we got our sound checked to make sure we got everything we needed. Like, that dude gave us love. And for him to, like, you know, for me to have a video of him introducing us about, you know, going on his tour, I believe it was the, uh, like, the Coming to America tour, you know, to have that footage forever. And then, you know, he mentioned our name on one of his songs, on on one of his albums. I mean, that was the, like, whatever awards we didn't get, like we got them, you know, from little things like that, you know, from Stevie Wonder inviting us to uh, his recording studio, you know, um, from Whitney Houston, you know, coming to see us while we were on tour with Prince and grabbing our pants leg from the stage. And security was like, was about to move her. And we're like, no, bro, don't move her. Like that's Whitney Houston right there. Like, leave her alone. Let her do whatever she wants to do. And, you know, just so many great memories, man. Like you mentioned, you know, being at the Soul Train Awards, you know, we got to see uh, Biggie. You know, I think he either passed that night or 
the following night, you know. Um, so, yeah, we, you know, definitely blessed, man, and a, a lot of great memories. Yeah, huge loss when we lost, uh, when we lost the purple one, his, his royal purple man. I'm still, still not over my man Prince uh, passing away. But uh, just keep, keep, keep the vibe positive, keep it going. You know, I'm going to get into this, you know, making this stuff in your writing game and all that. So diehard fans of the men know that Are You Free, the up-tempo track was actually the band's first single and not Pretty Brown Eyes. So why do you think Are You Free didn't really catch on given, you know, that it had a New Jack Swing feel to it, that was me at the time. Do you think it was just bad timing or or what? Uh, you know what? It's just, it's just one of them. Sometimes, you know, you, you want to go with something. You want to go with an up-tempo. That's why I always tell people today, like, get feedback from people. Find out the best move to make. Find out what, what everybody's song is like. And because if you're picking the songs, you love them all. But you, but everybody's not gonna love every song that you pick. So you got to get feedback from people, and you got to get a team around you to help you make great decisions. You know that's something I tell all of the younger kids. Even though they got twelve hundred followers, they're not gonna listen to me because they only care about the likes that they get. You know, but I keep trying to tell these kids like get a team. Like you know, you think Cardi B is? Now I'm sure she's making some great decisions and she has some great ideas. But there's another person or two around her that is helping, you know, make this thing happen, make this train run. And you got to have a, you know, a great, you know, staff of people around you to help make good decisions. But, um, you know, Are You Free didn't work. So A&M was thinking about, you know, shutting us down, shutting down, the, you know, the project, not spending any more money, no more singles. And so Jimmy, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis from the time, and the producers of Janet Jackson decided to, um, they were like, you know what? Why don't we put y'all on a, in a, on a Winnebago and you guys can go across country and thank everybody and, you know, do parties and just get out there and thank everybody for playing your song, even if they're not playing it. And so we went out there. I mean, that RV, by the time we got back, was probably tow up. <laughs> you know, it was definitely on a spare tire, and we just, you know, and next thing you know, you know, Pretty Brown Eyes started going down. And then I believe, you know, D.C., you know, picked it up, and then, you know, San Francisco, and then a few other places. And then next thing you know, it was like number one in sales over Michael Jackson and Prince. Prince, Prince was number three with Diamonds and Pearls. Number two was uh, Remember the Time. Like, that's an award right there that is amazing. Matter of fact, I need to go down in my basement soon and frame frame that billboard, you know, because that, that is something that, you know, no one will ever, you know, be in that situation. Yeah, man, so... You guys taking off now, and then 93 sees the release of arguably the group's best album from the Mint Factory, and you had a chance to write on that album. You wrote My High and Fidelity. Now, were those songs based on personal experiences? You know what? I, I, 
I only wrote, I, I believe, was uh, I only wrote like one song, like for a minute there, it was only like one song per album. Um, the first, the first album meant to be meant. I wrote, I wonder if she likes me, and then Fidelity. That was definitely a song that I was um, always wanted to be different from, you know, my family members. You know, some of them got, you know, some of them got three, four, five, six wives under their belt. I always wanted to be different. You know, I always wanted to have like one woman, and you know, and just keep life simple. You know, living in Minnesota, not out in Hollywood. You know getting turned out, you know, I wanted my life, you know, simple. And it, and it's still the same way today. And living a life like that will keep you out of trouble, will definitely, you know, keep you from uh, running into these situations. Because the the more the more women you have, the more people you let in your life, the more problems you could end up having, you know, especially if you're like, a, you know, a huge, you know, you know, three, platinum recording artist you know there's there's a lot of people trying to be around you for the uh for the wrong reasons but definitely you know fidelity was you know uh was written about a um the mother of my uh kids cool respect all right so after uh you guys dropped the 93 album you guys come back again with the 96 album definition mm-hmm. of a band and i go back and forth with which one I like more because, you know, on the second album, I, I still think personally that the So Fine remix is probably arguably one of the best remixes of the 90s. Mm-hmm. It got me in a lot of trouble in my single days, but I mean, 20s vicious. But then in 96, man, on Definition of the Band, you guys had What Kind of Man Would I Be? You had Let Me Be the One. You had Change Your Mind, on and on. Like, and you guys are just <laughs> on another level, so... I got to ask with um, the 96 album, how was working with uh, Fife on Let Me Be The One, the remix? And that was, that was crazy. I mean, we, we're like tribe called to have them guys like Q-Tip and, and um, Ali Shaheed Muhammad, those dudes were like fans of men condition. Like, they, like, love Mint Condition. And we, like, love, you know, uh, Tribe Called Quest. I mean, Tribe Called Quest is the first group to start to start inspiring musicians, you know. Like, that was a big deal. Like, they had, like, the, you know, the walking bass line, you know, they were just killing it. Like, they were just, like, they were just the baddest you know, them outcasts, like that's our hip hop, my hip hop, you know. Yeah. Everybody has their favorites and they tops and they have, you know, the East Coast, West Coast people. Mine was, you know, Wu Tang, Tribe Called Quest, Outcast, um oh, how can I and a group that is from Detroit that is just as great as any of those bands that I just mentioned, Slum Village. Yes, you sir. Know. So, working with those guys, man, was 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 an honor. It was definitely, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, that's one of the best things that you know with, with the Michael with the being number one over Michael Jackson, 
you know, working with Tribe Called Quest, all that's up there, being invited to Stevie Wonder, uh, Prince, all on the same level, meeting Sugarfoot. Those are all great moments, man, in our life. No. So the band is a slowdown, but in 96, you also start branching out and just doing work on other artists' um, productions. So if you don't mind, I just want to take you on a quick trip down memory lane to see if you're working with some of these artists on some of these songs. Up first is uh, Jesse Powell, All Alone. What do you recall mm-hmm. about that one? You know what? Um, that was a uh, Carrie in uh, that was Carrie in Stoke. That was like that was really dope. I wish I had the versions that Stoke did, which I might have them somewhere. I might have them. I got to go through all my cassettes. I'm about to buy a cassette player and go back <laughs> through all the mics, man. But yeah, that was a uh, that was a uh, that was great, man. Um, that was Carrie and, and Stoke wrote those couple songs, man. And I can't wait to find Stokely's versions of them because he definitely, you know, when you would send demos to people with his voice on it, it wasn't a good idea because it's it was like someone had to sound like that. And there's not too many people that, that sounds like, you know, that sounds like Stokely. Uh, you know, that's that's like having sending somebody a, a bass player a track with, you know, Jocko Pastoris during the demo. You know, it, it it was on like that level. So so we had to dumb things down when we would do stuff, sing it real basic and not, you know, really sing it. Because people yeah, were intimidated. I'm glad you brought that up and you know, hear that coming from you because I've told people like, um, you know, I'm keeping with what you guys want to give Stokely a shout out real quick. Stokely was one of the first interviews I did when I started my podcast and I let Stokely know I'm like, uh, vocally, man, like I really don't think people know just how like well that dude can sing. And I had mm-hmm. let one of my I had let one of my podcast one of my podcast guests I let him hear Stokely's version of uh Make Me Say It Again girl and I'm like, yeah, like Stokely murdered that shit man, like real talk, like I kind of prefer Stokely's version of Ron. It's not a shot at Ron. I just think Stokely's saying it a little bit better. But move, move, moving on. All right, y'all. You know Stokely what? You know, hold on, go hold ahead, on. You know what? I actually think the producer who produced that song, I actually, I actually think he was a little bit nice on Stoke. I, I actually think um, Stoke could have actually did a better performance on it. But when you're so great like that, people you come in the studio and people are like looking at you and they let you do kind of whatever you, you, you know, they, they let you do whatever you want to do. Like when we had Charlie Wilson come in, we didn't really produce him like we could have, but we didn't really, really need to with him. Like he just killed it when he did the song with us called pretty lady. He just came in. It was like, man, we were like being entertained. This dude was just killing it. And he was, when an artist like that sometimes come in, you you tend to let them do whatever and not even, you know, and not really work them and have them do it over and, and get the best performance out of them. I, I think the cat could have got a, a, better, a, a better performance. If he wasn't such a big fan of Stokely, he, he, he would have got a better performance. 
Like we're 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 not no jokes, man. Like when we're working with each other, we push each other and we get the the best out of each other and you know and that's why a lot of those records were great. Like when you're working with like Larry is like a perfectionist, you know, hit that dude or have you working, singing stuff over. We used to, man, record like five or six vocal tracks. Um, you know, not anymore. People be wanting to only do one vocal track, maybe two, three at the most. Um, but we used to push each other back, back in the day to the fullest. Up next, what do you remember about uh, Tony Braxton, Lies, Lies, Lies? Um, man, I remember, I, I need to get a plaque from that song. I need to, I tried to order a plaque for some reason when I try to order these plaques from the, uh, whatever the name of the company, um, the R.I. or something, whatever it's called. It's like, I can't even get a phone call returned. So maybe I'm not doing something right. Right, but I need to get a plaque from that. That was a great experience, man. Um, that actually started me being on tour with Tony Braxton, started me actually being a photographer. Like, we went to Europe, and everybody would go to sleep, you know, as soon as we got to the hotel. I'm like, nah, I'm getting out of these streets. I'm traveling. I'm over in Europe. Like, I ain't never been here before. Like, this is the first time, you know, leaving out of the country. I'm like, I hit the ground running i took photos you know i did i did everything and when i got back i looked at all my photos and i was like man i actually got a little bit of a skill you know far as being a photographer i I should start shooting and um you know some of the other guys wasn't that excited about that tour they think you know it was a mistake we had definition of a band which some people think is you know our best record and we should have did more stuff in the U.S. and by ourselves opposed to doing it with, you know, doing the tour with Tony Braxton. I kind of disagree because we got our first gold album, you know. it had, We were on that tour, so I'm like, hey, that's a part of why we got the gold album, us being on that tour. And we got to do some things, you know, performing, you know, a big crowd every night. It may not have been, you know, the perfect situation, but I appreciate it and I'm glad we did it. And Carrie, I'm sure, you know, he got to, you know, marry Tony Braxton and have, you know, two beautiful sons. Um, it, I don't, I, I don't regret that at all. Up next, Anne Nesby. Legendary vocalist, Thrill Me. Ah, uh, Thrill Me. What, what's that? <laughs> That's song you worked on. Uh, I, um, I, I, I probably didn't you, have any you know that one? with that one. Uh-uh. No. No. Yeah, you got that the might, credit, man. Might... I, I the album credits, and I think you, I think you credited as playing guitar on that song. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. I don't. I don't remember <laughs> that one. But she's an amazing talent. She's her, man. Her daughter, uh, Jamicia Bennett, is one of the best singers ever. You know, here in, in Minneapolis, she's she's amazing. And then Jamie's got a daughter named uh, Paris Bennett, who went 
into the top five, you know, uh, top five uh, American Idol. Yeah, Parachute like, won. I remember that year. Yeah. yeah I was in a, that's, when I was in, that's when I was in the Air Force and I was stationed in the uh, England. Yeah, Parachute won that year. I've right, been yeah. working with um, Dwelle on Body Rock. Mm-hmm. You've been, you been working with Dwelle on Body Rock? Uh-uh. What about Robert Glass for Experiment on Why Did We Try? That was, you know what, um, that was a song I co-wrote with, with, with Stokely. Um, that was a song about a friend of mine um, basically was about to get married and had a kid, but he had like two or three girls that he was dating. And I was like, you know, are you going to be able to change your life the way, like right now you got, you know, you're dating, you're dating one girl from one of the biggest R and B groups, you know, in history. Uh, and then you got this other girl right here, and I'm like, are you going to be able to change your life, you know? Um, and I kind of doubted it, you know, and and he did the right thing, you know. He, uh, great father, you know, happily married still to this day. Cool. So turn of the century, men still. Oh, oh, and then, you know, for, uh, I'm sorry, for, you know, it, for Robert to actually, you know, cover a piece of my work, you know, a bad musician like that, you know, him and um, him and Chris, you know, that was a definitely an honor to have someone, you know, cover your work, man. That was a that was a blessing. That was beautiful. No doubt. So men still moving. You guys are still dropping albums. You guys never really slowed down music. I mean, you had a chance to work with Anthony Hamilton. You worked with. Fonte, but let's get into Ricky's uh, solo work. So for the past 11 months, you've been in the midst of a successful GoFundMe account to finance your solo debut, The Truth mm-hmm. Behind the Lies. Truth Behind the Lies, I'm sorry. Why did you decide to go the crowdfunding route this time instead of possibly getting, you know, signing with a major or an independent label? Uh, man, I, I, I've been like a, we've been an artist who basically did everything we wanted since like day one, you know, we, our last five albums has been independent. Now a group like men condition, we can go play a weekend and make the money to put into any, you know, any of our projects to go to radio, to hire a publicist just off of a weekend. Um, me being by myself, I don't have that. And I'm used to doing things, you know, my way being an independent artist. Um, and so I'm not interested in doing anything with a, you know, a, a, a record label. Um, at the time I wasn't, I wasn't interested in that, you know, so I wanted to do it my way. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to grow a black business and I wanted you know, I have a little bit of experience with working records and what to do and, you know, how to do it. And I'm learning a new game right now and I'm learning every day. And so I want to, you know, I want to be able to do this myself 
and then be able to give back and help other artists and tell them how to do it and advise them on, you know, making the right decisions. Respect, man. And I hope you folks um, listening to what Ricky's saying, you know, when we, get, when we get to the end of the interview, I'm going to share Rick's um, GoFundMe link where you guys can go out here and support this brother's music and this brother's dreams because too often, you know, we in the community say that R&B is dead. And right here you have a brother doing it himself, trying to give you guys quality music. So we got to support that. We got to support our own art, support people living their dream. If not, we can't complain. So I'm not going to deep with that. You know, I'm going to get give you guys Ricky's uh, link at the end of the um, interview. And let's get into this um, visual you just released called uh, Pray. What can you tell the folks about your new video and song, Pray? Wow, that's the first song I always wanted to release first. Like, that's me. That's my life. You know, being an activist, being out in the streets, um, trying to make a better place for all of our kids. Um, that's the song I wanted to re- release first, like six months ago. And then now, you know, with everything going on, um, with Minneapolis being the, uh, starting place for the revolution, you know, um, it's the perfect song, you know, it's, it's the song, you know, fire the police because they fired at me, you know, as I lie in the street, they're telling lies and defeat on me. You know, um, there's a war on our soul because blackness carry go. Um, uh, just something about that song just always touched me and just always was uh, special to me. And, you know, the, the gunshots I use in there are actually, you know, from, from brothers in the streets being shot. Um, the video, I always, like, I don't know everything I want for all of my videos, but most of them, I have a concept. I have everything in the whole concept of that video. I, you know, I already knew how I wanted it, you know, and I did it all exactly the way I, I wanted to do it. Um, in, in the intro, when you see the, the liquor store on fire and then you see the police station blow up, like that's footage that I was actually there recording. Like wow. I was, I was right there, you know. I saw the police station, you know, um, burn down the third precinct, you know. And you know, I don't, I don't necessarily condone everything that happens in this world, but I understand why they happen. And that night that precinct has probably done so much dirt and so many, you know, um, just so many bad things. It's, there might even be a possibility that they let it burn down because there was some other stuff going on that we don't even know about, you know, probably, you know, uh, trafficking. It was just so much stuff, so much. It was from what I hear, you know, allegedly, that precinct might have been like if you, you, you had to be a certain type of person to work at that precinct. Like it was probably clear coming in the door. Like if you're gonna work here, like you're, you're gonna be on some other stuff. And yeah. so, 
after, you know, the passing of George Floyd, like the police officers, everybody knew that precinct was going to go. Like they, they knew that precinct was going to go down. Like before I even started thinking about they, they were going to burn down certain things, you know, um, the police officers was like, they don't even care. Like they even know that they thought that that was wrong. And for someone to feel, you know, for someone to be a, uh, and not saying all of them, you know, of course, that's, that's not true. But for someone to be, a, you know, a, a white supremacist and, and say that that was wrong, then that was some wrong stuff. And he definitely changed the world. Like, he, he changed the world, you know. When his daughter said, you know, my dad changed the world, he did. Because there were so many friends of mine that I'd be trying to get to go to protests, and they'd be like, man... Ain't nobody going to no protest. That's for the birds. And there's, like, girls I know that was, uh, you know, raised by white women who who feel like, you know, um, there's, you know, all police ain't bad. That all changed, you know, after George Floyd. All of those same people that said those things, they were going way harder than me, you know. For making change, everybody thought that that was so wrong. Yeah. No doubt. So, with your solo album, what's the vibe you're going for? I don't think it's going to be like you know all love songs and ballads and slow jams. What type of vibe you can fans expect with your solo album? My my record, I'm I'm speaking truth to power on a few songs, um, you know, which is. Songs like Pray. This record is about black love. You know, there's a song that's called uh, Butterf- Butterflies, you know, um, where you where a man is talking to a sister and he's like, look, I want to do right. I want to be right. Teach me how to love you. You know, um, show me I can, I can trust you. Go blind to the others. You know, I want you. And, you know, this is just like I am like this is gonna be one of the best records of the year, and I know a, a lot of people say that, but like pray is not my it's probably not gonna it's, it's not my best song normally a lot of people come out with their best song that's a song that just touched me the most it's it's my life you know being an activist I wanted that song to come out first because of that there's other songs that are that's gonna be you know that's gonna be dope. Um, there's a song called Dearly Departed. Um, that song, I don't really care if anybody likes it at all. It's, it, it's a song that, um, that I can relate to. It's a song about having a woman that you, you know, that you love, but she's, she's also attacking you. And... So you're going back and forth. You're saying these great things about this girl. But then you say, you know, at the end of that, that line, but you throw shit at me. You know, I'm sorry if I'm, you know, excuse my language. But, um, and it's a song about dating a woman who have experienced trauma where when you try to leave her, she basically, um, she basically 
goes just to a whole nother level to destroy your life. You know, but but it's not about you. It's about the trauma that happened before you. Is why she's pretty much doing everything that she's doing. It has nothing to do with you. This is, you know, this is the other people that, you know, that put that that changed her life, you know, that her life experiences is something that no, you know, no child should go through, you know. You a teacher, so, yeah, you even got me. <laughs> I'm just huh? taking all. You even got me excited, man. I'm just, I'm, in, I'm in here taking all this uh, great knowledge. Just, yeah, well, yeah, you, deep brother, man. Woo. Uh, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, this is, <laughs> it's gonna be, it's gonna be some great things. It's gonna be, it's gonna be everything, man. It's, it's gonna be a whole, you know. It's, you know, that's man. The one thing about this band. And the reason why, you know, it's like it's like Stokely was singing all of our lives, and so it's a it's a hard life to um, it's it, it's it's tough, man, for for like one person to kind of do their own thing and and have a lot to say when you've been saying a lot of things from five different people. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. um, but me, I, I can do it because I've had so many crazy things only, you know, happen to me in relationships, man. And, um, and still to this, you know, to this day experiencing things that I'm, I'm going to be fine because I have a lot to say. And, and I've always been a writer from, you know, I've, I've always written from my heart and real things that actually happened to me, or or something that happens to somebody else. Yeah. Cool, cool. All right. So before we uh, give out this link and give out all your social media handles, you know, I got to ask you some some tough questions. So you got to put on that uh, thinking cap real quick. So I'm asking two tough questions and just give me the first thing that pops into your mind. So as a bass guitar player. If you could have an all-out jam session with any three guitar players throughout history that are alive, who would you want to rock out with? Uh, Prince, Michael Hampton, and Jimi Hendrix. My man. All right, and with your activism going on right now and everything you're involved in, if you could recommend one book for the young folks out there to read just to get a little bit more woke and really see what we're out here protesting for, what book would what book would you recommend? There's a new book that just came out this weekend by a uh, a young lady named Catrice Jackson. It's called Weapons of Whiteness. So definitely cool. it's on Amazon. Weapons of Whiteness. Cool. I have that to my um list. All right, folks, we've had Rick from Mint Condition on the line today. I hope you guys learned a lot. I know I did. This is a very educated, humble, just down-to-earth cat. And, you know, you guys get a pen. Rick's on Facebook at Rick from Mint Condition. Instagram is the same is the same handle, at Rick from Mint Condition. And for Ricky's solo album that his brothers try to finance, I highly, highly urge you guys to go out there 
and support this brother. He's close to his goal. All you need to do is go to GoFundMe, and the search box, just type in recommend conditions, links should come up. You know, every little bit helps. As I said earlier, if you can't complain about music being dead and music being trash now, if we are supporting our legends and supporting our elders and supporting folks that led the way. My brother, is there anything that you want to add? I would say definitely, you know, share. You know, share, support artists. It's it's weird, man. I hit up 150 musicians, you know, because I'm like, I'm that guy, you know, I'm going to be in the DMs asking people to share. And I probably got like 2% of support. Uh, and that was like, I was like, wow, man, like we really, now we definitely support each other. So I'm not saying we don't support each other, but some of us don't support each other, man. And, 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 and it was cool. Cause I was like, I got a budget to, you know, to promote, you ain't got to share my music. You don't have to support, you know, uh, another black man. I got this, but it was weird. You know, it, it was it was different, man, only getting, like, you know, a, a, a small percentage of, of, of love. Now, I've been getting a lot of love, but I'm talking about the people that I went in, the musicians that I went in, and I asked personally, you know, to share. we got to support each other. we got to do better. Yes, we do. All right, folks, once again, we've had Rick from The Condition on the line. I want to thank this brother for giving me not only a book recommendation, but as I said earlier, and you giving me close to 30 years of classic music. Be on the lookout for Rick's solo album. If you guys aren't familiar with um, Make Conditions, massive and just all-around great catalog, check out every album going all the way from the 91 album up to Healing Season in 2016, and you guys are going to find a lot of quality album tracks, not just singles. These brothers have quality album tracks that are better than some folks that records today. And I'm not going to say no names, but you know who you are. And I want to leave you guys with a quote inspired by Rick and his guitar skills, and that is, this accident or incident happened in the most secure place I could have felt I was in, walking on stage with my guitar. Curtis Mayfield. Until the next time, done out. Hey, yo, check it out. This is the Wild Cowboy with a lot of style, boy. One of one, untraceable. Punk jump up to get beat down. Slow down. And, yo, I want y'all to check out this podcast, yo. Y'all been listening to the reviews and done with your host, Derek Dunn. Be sure to check out reviewsanddone.net. Understand that. Reviews and done. That's D-U-N-N.net. Word up. It's a good combination. Dot X and done. What's messing with that, peoples?